Let's find out what part you play when it comes to narcissism today on Beware of the Narcissist Part 2, Religious. Respect these boundaries. Religious critics are not welcome here. This brand has no religious affiliations. Critical spirits with religious projections, prophecies, pronouncements, criticisms, questions, etc. will be ignored and when necessary blocked on all of our platforms. What if you don't recognize the danger you're in? Unresolved issues only fester into vows of destruction. Unexplained emotional decline, nonstop strife, mysterious sickness. What if they're all just symptoms and not the actual problem? You could be in relationship with a killer emotionally. So know the signs of such a perpetrator before it costs your very life. Beware of the narcissist. An eight-part series that might spare you from one of the most destructive types of relationships you could ever be in. Peace, True Tribe. I am author. Well, True Tribe, you already know me if you're already part of the tribe. If you are not already a part of the tribe, peace. I'm author, counselor, and coach Zara Harrison, helping you remember that love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. We are not to be a fool for love. Love is wisdom. And that wisdom is so, so, so healing. On this journey, you'll be learning how to um, spot a narcissist. But I have another journey called Healing Pain with Proverbs that can help you heal from them. And we'll also talk about some different things you can do uh, towards the end of the series. Uh, if you find yourself in this kind of situation that the series is highlighting. Now, before we get into today's part two on religion... I like to remind you, you can get instant notifications about lives just like this one that you are watching. If you look in the description to this video for my personal Telegram invitation link, some of y'all was like, where you at? It's Wednesday. You said Wednesday. Now, you know, I keep my word less than it's an emergency. I had an emergency situation. The devil's so mad, yo. Like he's so mad. <laughs> like so mad yo 
So um, I had to tend to some personal things that uh, take priority over Truth Drive. And um, in doing that, I did not get a chance to finish my slides. So I could have drove myself crazy to get the slides done on Wednesday and not get no rest and no sleep. But I said, nah, when you got an emergency situation like the one that I had, um, I needed to take a minute to breathe, to pause and not um, just, you know, go right into the next thing. So that's why you need to get in the Telegram group because things change, you know? I don't never know what the enemy might do, but I always know what y'all gonna do. He gonna come through like he did. Um, so if you are sometimes like adamant about being in a live and you see that something's supposed to happen at a certain time and I'm good, my word is good and you see I'm not there, it's usually an emergency and I usually let the people in Telegram know because I don't have time to be sending emails out every time something pop up like that. I don't, I, don't, I got to schedule it. it. It's just too much. So it's easy for me to just use my phone and just send a text through Telegram and let people know like I did. So make sure that you get in the group. I also want to take the time before I forget and thank a very special part of True Tribe. That is Truth Tribe patrons who help me make free content, including videos, exercises, and resources and even sometime uh, sessions for people, just like this live that you're watching, this resource that is right now. I truly appreciate your support patrons and I'm sure those who benefit from your giving appreciate it too. If that is true and you appreciate the patrons who give so I can get up on here and spend hours, I was up till six in the morning because of the emergency that happened Six of the molded working on finishing this stuff so I can get these slides done. Oh my gosh, when I tell you I'm tired. That's why my hair looked like this. I had to put this hat on. I got this scarf on because it's cold. Yes, it gets cold in Africa. I really want to put a coat on right now. Um, but if you appreciate what the patrons do to give, you know, patrons give on a monthly basis. Some people also give one time, um, show one time support, and I really appreciate it. But if you appreciate their giving, the least you could do is like this video and share it with somebody. So that if someone's in a situation, especially when it comes to something so serious like this series, they can figure out what they're in. You know, like when I didn't know what I was in, this stuff that we're talking about almost destroyed me, like almost took me out. Like uh, like it, it's, it's a term called crazy making that we'll learn. Person trying to make you crazy, it's real. Um, and that spirit of narcissism does that. And when you can make sense of what's happening, um, like we talked about in part one, you can heal. So, um, the least you could do is just share this video and give it a like, if you appreciate the support and all the hard work that goes into bringing you this content, cause it look easy and it looks simple, but it's not. And I'm an introvert and I'm getting tired of YouTube. I'm just going to keep it all the way a hundred. I'm about tired of YouTube at this point. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like YouTube, I might be done with YouTube in a little bit because I just, I want my life back. Um, but I'm going to be, be uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say obedient because I'm not going to sit up here and be like, yeah, y'all told me to do such and such and such. I know part of what I'm called to is helping people heal. And this is a vehicle that, um, one vehicle where I can, that healing gets ushered through, but y'all is doing it, not me, just using me as a vessel. Um, but that ain't the only vehicle. So I'm, I'm about tired of this vehicle because you two get on my 
freaking nerves. Like, I'm just saying. Okay. Um, I'll give you the secret key code again. If you have not got the secret key code for the month of December so that you can get the black true child hoodie. It's similar to this shirt, but it's a hoodie. Um, and don't send me no emails asking me if you're a narcissist. Uh, don't let the spirit of fear consume you. Y'all does not give you the spirit of fear. As we go through these things, it is to help you heal. It is to help you get out of denial. It is to help you pay attention to what you may be in um, so that you can make new choices and experience his blessing and his healing, okay? Um, I'm not a therapist. That's why I said on here, this ain't medical advice. Um, I don't diagnose people. I am a counselor and I'm a coach. I'm not a pastor. I'm not your teacher. I am a teacher, but I'm not your teacher. Um, so all of that, put it somewhere else. Don't, don't, I just, yeah. Okay. Y'all seen my video the other day. Cause I, cause it's getting tired. I was getting tired. Okay. So let's get into it. Part two, part two. I don't know why I always do that. Are you in the system? While narcissism has spiritual roots, it operates in the physical realm through system. That narcissistic system originates in the unhealed family of religion. Let's find out how you might participate in the system of narcissism by comparing intergenerational trauma with religiosity. And that might be a mouthful, but that's why you gotta go back and look at part one so you can understand what intergenerational trauma is. And then today we're gonna be comparing that to um, religion. So we talked about where narcissism stems from, which is spiritual. And so since it's spiritual, it has to produce a counterfeit. That counterfeit is religion. It uses religion. The spirit uses religion to operate the system through. So that's what we're going to learn about today. How does that happen? How, how, do, how does it use religion when it, this, um, unhealed issue in family, which we learned part one, the enemy and what he did and he got his little family together. And then that little family re reproduced and now it shows up through intergenerational trauma in us by the spirit, but it needs a system to function through. So let's look at how that happens. So what sparks the narcissistic system? There are two things that spark the narcissistic system and it is knowledge and superiority. When you see somebody using knowledge and superiority, you better slow your roll from following them. Okay. So let's talk about it. First Corinthians eight, one through two. Oh, real quick. I meant to tell y'all last series, part one, I kept saying the wrong scripture for, um, the, the scripture in Timothy was it second Timothy. I kept saying second Timothy three fifteen for some reason it was second Timothy, second Timothy three, one through five. Um, so it was correct on my slides, but I had, I said it wrong just in case some of y'all was wondering, but let's get to first Corinthians eight, one through two. And this is the amplified version. It says knowledge alone. We've been learning about when somebody has knowledge alone, they usually ain't got no divine wisdom, right? So knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant, but love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. If anyone imagines, we talk about that, we talked about the grand, grandiose thinking in part one. If anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matter without love, he has not yet known 
as he ought to know. So this spark is coming through two things, knowledge. This is what the most high wants us to be conscious of, but, um, people with a narcissistic spirit who operate that spirit through a narcissistic system, usually unhealed family or religion are going to act like this. They're going to have one of the things they're going to, uh, talk about a lot is their knowledge. So, um, they may not always need the best education because anybody can become a pastor or a leader today. And, um, there are often, but they're often puffed up with their education. They're often talk about all the degrees that they have, all the certifications that they have. They're constantly talking about them, highlighting them, posting them, sharing them. If they don't have those, um, uh, certificates and degrees from prestigious universities and all that stuff. They are self-educated. They talk about all the books that they're reading, all the things that they know. They have huge libraries and they are constantly talking about how they done read all the, all of the books in there and they read in this book and that book and they read that and that and that and that, this resource, that reference. And they have huge grandiose plans with all of the knowledge that they have, which is usually leading them to get money or power and prestige. So for example, a head of a family might imagine their child getting rich and taking all their problems away. So get know about school, go to college. Like, you know, it's not about really helping the child. They want them to go to school, get this, get that money, make that money. Cause it's about them. A parent might do that. And a head of a church might imagine becoming famous or rich like off of like the parent does off of the child off of their church with knowledge get this get this information get this understanding take this course do that now not saying that education is bad because it is not i have a few degrees i just don't talk about them all the time i don't even tell you where they all from because it's not important it's not more important than the most high yeah right like divine wisdom is not more important did y'all know i went to seminary did y'all know i was an ordained minister like all of that Wait, I just never talk about it because for what? But nar the narcissistic spirit is constantly highlighting it because they want you to think they are smarter and smarter than you, that they know more than you. Um, they have to puff themselves up and be above other people. So they're constantly talking about that. So education is not a bad thing. Learning is not a bad thing. You know, getting certified in something to get some understanding is not a bad thing. Um, it helps you help other people. But when your worth depends on that and you're constantly talking about what you know and what you got and where you work and all your degrees and your accolades, um, yeah, that's, that's a sign of a narcissistic spirit, okay? So um, we talked about how they uh, prop them up with, they have the education, the self-education, and with these things, they have humongous, grandiose plans. Because remember we talked about in part one, you know, they got a whole bunch of plans. Um, real quick with this part too, when it comes to family, the knowledge part may be the history and the tradition that you don't know. You don't know. You wasn't there when grandma told me this. Grandma told my mother always, my mother, we always did it like this. It's this, this knowledge and tradition. Um, and then they try to say that they have a wisdom with age that demands respect from you because they know more than you know knowledge. I know knowledge more than you do because of history, because of tradition, because of whatever. So that might be what happens in family. In religion, it's usually somebody who's saying they're enlightened 
And oftentimes they have all these end of the world prophecies. They can tell you what's happening. They know what the revelations say. They know what this book of prophecies say. They got all the knowledge, absent void of the spirit though. But they, they can use their head. They're very smart. They're very smart. Like you can't deny that. A lot of them are very smart, spirit, people with this narcissistic spirit. They are very smart because they're so void of the spirit. They have to depend on knowing things to impress people, right? So they'll often um, try to get you in their convoluted delusional state of, of even though the most high will say, no man knows the man of the day or the hour. They'll tell you, I know the day and the hour. It's tomorrow at three o'clock. Um, Y'all better go get this, get this and that knowledge, right? Like you don't have this special enlightenment that I have, right? I remember one time, um, my husband heard somebody on YouTube and they were telling people to do this specific thing. Cause on this date, this thing was going to happen. And I'm like, what? You know, he listened to this person looked like they could have been in their right mind, had so much knowledge, a lot of stuff added up, you know? Um, and so I, I discerned by the spirit. I'm like, that person, a little off, that person a little off though. I don't know. They do know a lot. They know more than I know. I don't know about all that stuff. I, I really don't care. Cause I feel like if the most high want me to know something, he'll just let me know. I don't got to keep doing all of that. Um, but yeah, person looked like they was in their right mind. That day came and what they had prophesied didn't even happen. The next day I was waiting for the person to repent. You're going to repent to tell people that you got that wrong. Never repented. Just didn't, didn't even say nothing. Went on as if it never even happened. And people still listened to that person. You just spoke on behalf of the Most High Yah and said that this specific thing was going to happen with all your knowledge and how you broke the prophecy down in the book and it didn't even happen. Okay. People just followed blindly. Um, but that's what happens. Those who lack certainty depend on these kinds of people for intellectual confidence. So they make you feel stupid. Like you don't have the, this spiritual knowledge, which ain't, that ain't, ain't a righteous knowledge. It's a secular or narcissistic knowledge that they have, which they are smart. And oftentimes they are right. Most of the time the enemy is right about what he's saying. He just perverts the truth. He use he doesn't use a lie to deceive you. He uses the truth to deceive you. He perverts it. He flips it, scripts it and all that stuff like that. Right? So people who feel like they don't understand scripture. They don't know how to make sense of prophecy. They can't understand what this might mean. They flock to a person like that because they feel like there's certainty there as opposed to with the spirit of the most high telling you what he believes you need to know when you need to know it, right? Um, they'll also feel critical to every decision and cannot be excluded. So in a church system um, or a family system, the narcissistic spirit, when it comes to line of knowledge, they feel like they know everything and you don't. So they are critical to every decision. You, you, you better not exclude them from decision-making. Like they, they better know what you're doing and when you're doing it and how you're doing it and at what time you're doing it. Like they need to be included in every single decision. If you leave them out, it's like, they're going, you're going to have a problem. They're going to blow up. Like they don't want to be excluded from nothing because they're highly insecure. So they need to know everything. They need to make sure that you know that they know more than you. And they need to make sure that you understand that it is their special knowledge that is going to help you in life. And you can't do nothing without them. Narcissistic spirit. Be careful of it, okay? Because we just looked at 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. 
Another thing that they do because of their knowledge is they're very unemotional. The only emotion you might experience from them is anger. They don't show loving emotions like the fruit of the spirit. You will not see the fruit of the spirit evident in their life. They're very unemotional. Um, and they pride themselves on not being emotional. So if you have some discernment or emotion, which is connected to what? Empathy, because they lack empathy, they're going to label you as crazy. Like you feeling too much, you being too spooky. They tell others with emotional cautions that they're not as smart or biblically informed. You know, you just too emotional to know the truth. It ain't that emotional. <laughs> they don't like emotions. They don't like healing. They don't like none of that. Everything is just book, 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 book. Does this sound like a Pharisee to you? They will also guilt you for feeling and, and say it's a weakness that you even have feeling and you feel. They're say that, they'll say that you live in by the flesh because you it's, that's your feelings. You got to learn to stop being so feeling and emotion. And emotion is a tool that the Most High has given us to discern things. It is, we should not be without emotion because then that means we're without empathy and who is without empathy will be learned in part one. So that spirit struggles with empathy. They want you to feel stupid. And so they make you think they're smarter than you so that um, empathy, their, their lack of empathy isn't highlighted. And so if you have emotions, then you know that the empathy don't matter because you're too emotional, it's about knowledge. So again, they're very non-emotional and they'll clown you for having feelings. They'll make you feel stupid. Like you just the dumbest thing because you got feelings. That's why I put the clown next to the ice thing. The next thing is superiority. And we'll, we see in Romans 12, 1, 3, it says, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as the most high Yah has appointed to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. The leader is here to serve, not to be served more than they should. Not saying that you can't serve your leader in certain ways, but the real job and calling of a leader is to serve. That's why when husbands is like, you need to oh, listen to me. I'm authority. I'm the head of this house. Um, you Okay, if you're the head of the house, then how are you serving? Because a true leader serves. That is the heart of the Most High Yah through his Messiah. Serving. But no, the narcissistic spirit, they have to be served. They don't like to serve. And if they serve, they're manipulate. They're using it as a manipulation tool. They think so highly of themselves that everybody has to revolve around them, right? So some of the things they do, um, they control and uh, refuse, their control and refusal means no limitations for them. You'll find there's someone with a spirit of narcissism. They think they ain't got no limits. They think they ain't got to expect no boundaries. They ain't got to expect authority. A person, that's why I was like, look, if you can't respect my boundaries, you need to be gone. A person with a narcissistic spirit, they loathe boundaries. They feel like no, they should not, like nothing should be off limits to them. They have no respect for boundaries. That's a key sign of a person that carries this trait is they have an issue with boundaries because they think they should not have any limitations as if they are the most high. Yeah. Who act like that? 
the enemy think he he ain't got no limitations so for example a family member like a parent who has a narcissistic trait they might make a spectacle of being special like their family is just so special oh my child is just so special so much more special than yours because that's the spirit of narcissism. It has to make itself be puffed up like it's better than other people, even though Romans 12, 3 tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. It's not saying not to think of ourselves at all. We have to think of ourselves. That's self-care. It's saying, don't go thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to, because then you're getting up in there in the clouds like that narcissistic spirit, right? So if a parent who tries to tell their child they're better than other children, Oh, baby, you better than them. Oh, we better. We too good to be dealing with this. No, chill out that. You got to watch your language. Don't talk to your children like that. You're, you're, you're building them up to be narcissists. You're, you're treating them. You're showing them that they need to be, um, that they are above other people. That is a spirit of narcissism. You are, we are not, you are not above nobody else. No, no, no. Even if somebody is, um, you know, growing or they're, or they're not, right with y'all you don't want to communicate with that kind of speech and language like we're better than somebody else you're it's a seed that will like grow into the fruit of narcissism right um religion does the same thing they'll make a spectacle of the unique way that y'all is using them or their church i remember being at church and it was like it was a comparison to the other churches in the neighborhood like I'm like, if we all worshiping the same y'all, why y'all never talk? Why y'all never get together and do nothing together? Like, it's so isolated and, like, y'all just, yeah, it's the same y'all, but y'all don't even, um, okay, so we're, we're more special than that church. Come to this church, you know what I mean? Than that church down the block. Um, our camp is more special than that camp. Our assembly is better. Oh, you go to that one. Oh, our assembly is better. Oh, you don't get it. It's like this, it's a narcissistic way of thinking. It's, it's borrowing from that spirit. When you think your family, your church, your assembly, your camp, your whatever is better than somebody else's. And a lot of these systems are run by narcissists. That's why I don't have no time for it. I'd be like, I ain't got no time for that. I done seen too much to be fooled anymore. So I like, you, you, it got to be something. Mm. So yeah. Um, so the, the religion would make a spectacle of doing that. Um, with family, it'll often in this system where you have to make a huge, huge sacrifice for the love that is never truly experienced. So the child has to sacrifice their life for the narcissist because you're so special and I made this so special that you owe me your life. You owe me. You owe me your decisions. You owe me who you choose to marry. You owe me where you live at. You owe me what kind of car you drive. You owe me what college you go to. You owe me everything. Because we so special and I'm so special and I made you so special that you owe me. And the same thing happens in religion. Where religion, um, religious staff must make huge sacrifices. But then they get no, rest of, no rest of, uh, reciprocity. I remember when I was in the church, I was on the choir I helped with the children. I, I was burnt out. Let's just say it like that. And, and everything is not about being paid, but they will make you make huge sacrifices to serve for them. They, they'll get money, not just, not just Christianity, a lot of systems. Cause again, like we talked about, it's a, it's a systematic mentality that, um, narcissism operates through. 
And so often they will use people in the family we talked about, but then in religion to make huge sacrifices to bring them gain. You don't get nothing. You just serve. You better be glad you get your reward in heaven. It's a narcissistic way of thinking. You got to be careful. Got to be really, really careful. Another thing when it comes to um, spotting whether it's uh, superiority is going on is they're desperate to stay relevant. I'm talking about desperate to stay relevant. And social media make this so easy on both sides from family into religion. For children, they owe the lives to their parents. Their parents always sharing their stuff and what they did. I mean, it's almost like you wonder, does the parent have a life or is the child the parent's life? They share everything about the child and it's a specific child. It would be some, it may be more than one child, but it's usually a specific child and we'll get into that. Um, but it's like, they owe them their lives. So they share everything that they're doing it is they don't care about the child. It's about how it makes the parent look. I did that. Not y'all. Y'all don't get the glory. I did that. Yeah. Um, religion does the same thing. Well, it'll show how many people got saved this week, 500 people got saved. I mean, this year, just two, five or 600 people. It's all, it's a numbers game. Always sharing the numbers. Um, you, you got your life saved here. Now you owe me your life in return. Your whole service, life of service is dedicated to me in this system. In this system, this particular system where the narcissistic spirit is running it. You owe me your life because I helped you get your saved. And so they're always looking for likes and hearts and numbers um, followers, subscribers, it's, it's constant. These, these, uh, systems, which, which are supposed to be spiritual, but are really a counterfeit and is religious instead, will have meetings on how they can get their follower counts up. I've been in some of them, how they can get their subscriber counts up. Um, there was a time I thought that was okay. And so the yacht to the most high y'all was like, yeah, nah, I'm gonna need y'all to get out of that. Um, we're, they're creating a celebrity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? So um, they regulate their self-esteem with this narcissistic supply, which I'll explain in a minute, of other members in the family or in the church. This is what a narcissist does. Um, while we see the Messiah refusing these kind of things, all the accolades that come with being like and getting subscribers and being followers and becoming a celebrity, we see the most, the most, the Messiah refuse these things, but the narcissist will regulate their self-esteem with the narcissistic supply of a church or a family. Okay. Another thing is when it comes to superiority, um, they're often overly alert like these people are really sensitive, fearful, and rule conscious. They use legalism to prop themselves up. <laughs> we will get into that. Um, and they have strong calls from Yah. They always tell you what they heard from Yah. Sometimes I'd be like, I didn't know the most high talked that much. Cause you always got another word from the most high, like every 15 minutes. I did not know he talked that much. I really, really didn't because Sometimes I'm struggling to hear them. I'm like, I don't hear you, y'all, on this. What, where are you at? Maybe I'm just far from. I don't know, but I'm like, he's he's talking a lot to you. <laughs> so he's talking a lot. What he's already said in scripture in a multitude of words. In a multitude of words. Okay. So um, you want to pay attention to people with their hypersensitive, legalistic. They got strong calling. They're fearful. They're rule rigid. 
It's nothing wrong with having rules and expectations. It's nothing wrong with being sensitive to certain things, especially if you are emotionally well, you're gonna be health sensitive in a healthy way. It's nothing wrong with hearing from Yah, but this is inflated when it's a spirit of narcissism. It's like they overdo it, okay? Why do they overdo it? Because they're hiding their insecurity, their inner chaos, and their rage. They are basically in hiding. This is how they hide it. They hide it through the things that we just talked about. So let's talk about narcissistic supply because this is how they get fed. This is one of the terms we talked about that we were going to know. So narcissistic supply is how the narcissist keeps their self-importance alive. And it is similar how the narcissist keeps their self-importance alive is similar to that of a drug addict looking for a supplier to feed their habit. The narcissist is the drug addict. People are the drug. Okay. So a narcissist requires a high level of stimulation. And while they feel hopelessly inferior, they seek constant idolization. You're going to be exhausted around them because you got to keep making them feel good. And that is why the narcissist is much like an addict addicted to feeling superiority. Like we just talked about. However, in this case, the drug is the ability to romanticize, to imitate, to reduce or dominate someone into attention giving. They only romanticize or imitate because often they got to be better. But if they imitate you or they romanticize you, it's because that person has something that can serve them. It's all about manipulation. Oftentimes they don't really genuinely care about people until and unless they get healed. So because of these things, it is, it is rare not to experience their manipulation. They have a nearly insatiable appetite for pleasure and praise. Insatiable, constant need, which makes it nearly impossible for them to put life and relationships into the proper perspective. They only break others down who will not build them up. You find out who the narcissist is, you want a hit list. They got, they got to destroy you, smear campaign, and we'll talk about that later. So if people see them bigger than they really are or than what they feel inside, they feel like they are winning. On the other hand, if people see them as smaller or insignificant, like they truly feel behind their mask of pretending, they feel they're losing and it's dangerous to their self-preservation. So narcissists are, they're in hiding, like we talked about, they're, there's a mask, they're master of disguise. Something, like we talked about in part one, happened in childhood or intergenerational trauma passed down through the blood, genetics, through the mouth, through the stories, through what the parent says. And we'll talk about some of the things that a narcissistic parent does that creates that person who grows up and functions as a narcissist. <coughs> but the main thing is, <coughs> excuse me, they're, they have high, high levels of shame. They're hiding something. Something is so embarrassing to them. It is so, um, it is so just, um, what is the word? It is so, it's just, it's beyond embarrassment and shame, but it is so aggressive. They feel that for the life of them, they can't let nobody know like what that thing is. And so that's how it, it inflates and it turns into these other things. And so <clears throat> one of the ways that that can often happen, um, especially, you know, with children that grow up in the hood and, and trying to survive in the hood and, 
and make it and not get picked on because, you know, people would talk about your sneakers or talk about your clothes and the fact that you ain't got labels. Like, y'all all broke out here. We all broke out here. And we sitting here making fun of each other. Like, are we serious? Like, that's what we do, but it's trauma. You know what I'm saying? So that will sometimes cause a narcissistic parent to um, tell their child they're better than other children or, you know, you, at least you have this or our family is better than this or our, our furniture is better than their furniture or this and start playing this comparison role. But what happens is if you don't heal the child and just let them know, it's okay to not have luxury items. It's okay that we don't have name brand stuff. I know people that's adults right now and they embarrassed that they ain't got name brands. I remember going out with a person who, you know, I guess pretty big in, in Christianity or whatever, a wife um, of somebody who's bigger. And we went out to dinner and she had this name brand purse and I had a purse, I think it was from Ross or something like that. And she's like, what's that? Like, hmm. <laughs> I was like Ross boo like and I don't care because I don't about about labels like if I like something I'm gonna buy it I don't care if it's shoes from Walmart if I like it I'm gonna buy it like all these label crap who somebody put their name on something and that just changed the worth of it their name and their name ain't even y'all I'm sorry what if I like something I'm gonna wear it and it, it's not about proving yourself to people but the narcissistic spirit, it is. It's about proving and it's about being better than other people. Um, a narcissistic parent may seem like they are devoted to their children because they constantly brag about them to others when in fact, they're just a narcissistic supply. So supply is how they keep their self-importance. They don't care, really care about their children. They just need their children to make them look good. In religion, the pastor... Often a pastor with a narcissistic spirit, because not all of them have a narcissistic spirit, um, a leader of an assembly, a camp, whatever it is, a leader in religion, if they have this spirit, they don't care about the people that they're supposed to be serving. They use them to make themselves feel better. It's not, they don't care about the people. So they're a child, a parent will brag about the child or a religious leader will brag about their congregation or their church as a way to emphasize their own superiority. So they will be idolized, adored, and even obeyed by other children in the family or other members, or, you know, to, uh, uh, magnetize other people to come to that, um, that sector or whatever, when it comes to religion. And also instead of true care for the church or assembly or religious structure, they tend to themselves by achievements that will grant them approval from others. And the congregation usually validates that sense of worth and identity. It's like, it's really sick. You got to be careful because it looks like everybody's doing a grand thing for y'all. Um, and on, and if you're not careful and you don't know these signs and you're not aware of the traits that they possess, you'll think that it is fruit being produced because they're growing or they got money or, you know, more and more people are coming. But then on the other side, you got to look too with the covert side that we talked about it may not be that big, but you feel connected, even though it's a small community, but it's a cult. Like you gotta be, it's, you gotta pay attention out here. Okay. That's why the most high is telling you to beware, test the spirits. Why narcissism is a spirit. He's telling you to test the spirits. So it's not, um, it shouldn't be far fetched for you to be like, okay, if y'all wants us to test the spirit, then narcissism is a spirit and it operates through a system. And that system is usually family and religion. 
hmm, I better make sure that it's not in mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, but oftentimes we just follow people because they look rich or they got money or they are charming or they're charismatic. Um, we don't care about the spirit. We impressed by their knowledge and everything they know. They could break down prophecies. I ain't see that. How you see that? Oh my gosh. Like just caught up, caught up. That's how you get, that's how you get swept away, caught up and impressed by things that you should not be impressed by. And I, it, it really makes me kind of like sick to my stomach. I can't stand it. So let's look at how they run, uh, on how a narcissist runs that system so that they can get their fix. Uh, you see the little drugs there because the, the people are the drugs. So this is how they run the system to get their everyday fix. And a day that go by, and a day that go by, like they got to have it. It's a, it's a drug. It's like a drug addict. They got to have it in a day that go by. Okay. So one of the ways they do that, um, their system is usually full of deceit and manipulation, unhealthy communication with little to no boundaries. So first of all, image is everything. The narcissist is obsessed with creating and keeping a perfect church or a perfect family image. Just like the enemy, he's beautiful, right? Remember we talked about that? Everything gotta look beautiful, pretty. You can't have no, nothing looking like it ain't uh, perfect. So when you struggle with perfectionism, watch out cause you, you borderline dealing with that spirit of narcissism. Life ain't perfect. Things ain't perfect. It ain't always going to be perfect and it's okay. Like it's all good. Okay. Um, the image is also everything in order to be accepted and praised and they will blame targets usually to scapegoat when that imperfection shows. And I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the scapegoat in a minute, but, um, image is one of the main ways that they run their system. And if you make that system look like it ain't perfect, you're going to feel their rage. It's called narcissistic rage. And it occurs if anyone speaks up or reveals the true nature of the family or the church. You start telling that the family is dysfunctional. Oh, you a snitch. You need to die. You told, you to, when the scripture says expose evil and wicked deeds, right? If you don't repent. Now, if you repent, he has grace to cover you. That's when a sin can be covered because we repented. There's no need to expose it. We repented. We exposed it to each other. We confess. We repented. It's changed. There's no need to expose it to anybody else. But one of the tools that the most high used to rid sin is when you don't confess it yourself for, for exposure to happen. It's like his last attempt at getting you to change and people still won't change when they're exposed in a family or in a religious system. You see a number of religious leaders getting caught up in scandals and legal problems and affairs and then they st and the people sitting there defending them. I'm gonna show you, it's a, it's a narcissistic system. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about it. But if you go against that perfection, that image, it comes with punishment by the narcissist and whoever, whoever enables them in the family or the religious system. Have any of y'all been in that? You speak up and they hear, we're going to talk about the system because they're coming for you when you, when you speak up. It's a system. It started when the enemy rebelled. He had to figure out a way to make this thing enter to the physical realm. So it's a spiritual issue, but he uses a system to operate it through, to run it through. And it's usually family and religion and then business. That's what he doing. 
okay? So you, you want to be careful when you notice stuff. Another thing, there's secrets. There's secrets. They run the system to get their fix by making sure that there's a whole bunch of secret keeping. Everyone is expected to keep the narcissist truth hidden to maintain their public image. You better not tell who they really are. You better not tell they abusing you. You gonna get in trouble for telling them. Bump that they abusing you. Bump that that, that needs to be fixed. You better not tell that you being abused in his family or in his church or in his assembly or in his camp. You better not say nothing. You snitch. You disobeying y'all. There is healing in confession. But they, it's not about healing. It's about preserving them because that spirit of narcissism comes from its father, who we talked about in part one. So um, if it's a family or religion that's dysfunctional, you better not say it. You better not. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You're not crazy. How you gonna get help if you don't tell somebody? How, if we don't never tell somebody with wisdom, be careful, you can't be telling everybody business. But if we don't tell somebody with divine wisdom, full of the spirit, how you ever gonna get help? I'm waiting. You not. But that's the enemy, secret keeping. So that's what happens in a narcissistic family structure. We don't want nobody to get help because the narcissist want to be your source, want to be your only help. You only, you can only go to them. You better not go to nobody else. You better not go tell nobody else what's going on. So deception is secured through that narcissistic manipulation and denial is reinforced by the rest of the unhealthy family or religious unit. Another thing is there's ignorance. In this system, there's ig is a whole bunch of ignorance. Y'all acting ignorant like y'all know nothing. They don't, they don't hear nothing. You heard it, you saw it. We talked about healing pain with Proverbs, a person that's being quiet when a person is plotting evil because a narcissist is plotting a whole lot of evil. They strategizing in the family and in the religious system. All they do is plot evil. You see it and you quiet. That's the ignorance that you're going to pay for. You better repent. That, that uh, it, it creates little communication and no clear boundaries. You can't have boundaries in a narcissistic system whether it is family or religious or business, you can't have none. In the family, you can't do nothing without your family and the narcissist. In, in religion, you can't even talk about a scripture unless you got authority first. Who told you you can talk about scripture? Who says you had the right to do that? Who are you? I'm sorry. I didn't know I needed a permission to talk about my experience with the most high from you. Yeah, no boundaries, like none. So communication is often, instead of healthy communication, they often have triangulation and gaslighting, which we'll talk about, to maintain their power and their control. And so that they can increase strife. Yeah, they want to increase the strife. That's how they maintain their control. If you start healing up in here, they can't maintain that control because they don't want to heal. They want to stay hidden, just like the enemy, hidden right in front of your face. So the family stays against each other or the religious people in the system stay against each other and keep confusion running the system. Confusion runs the system. And this is, is going to build anger, mistrust, and disorder. Also, the narcissist can maintain control. They don't care nothing about you and your mental state and your emotional state. It's all about them maintaining control. And because this is a system burnt, excuse me, from the enemy, it is going to be one of, of no order. It's going to be of chaos. 
because the most high, like we talked about in Hillary Proverbs, restores order. The enemy perverts what he does. He wants to create chaos. So the enemy can only run a narcissistic system if he keeps chaos going. So whenever you try to stop that chaos, they're going to make you feel like you crazy because you're trying to get things in order. Like you're doing too much. Like you're too holy. You're too righteous. You're not forgiving enough because you're trying to get some order together. Because if order comes, the narcissistic system breaks down. They don't want that. The narcissist depends on the system staying chaotic in order to stay in control. Does that make sense? So here's a visual of the system. I did this little visual here for you. This is what a narcissistic system looks like. Everyone is a tool to a narcissist and they strategize how to use each player constantly. So when I asked you when we first started, what part do you play? You want to look at when we go through this, where you are in this system. Cause for real for real, you want to get out of it. Cause it's a demonic system. That's what it is. Okay. So the golden child, the golden child, as you see here directly under the narcissist is usually all about the, uh, the golden child. Um, the golden child is praised. They get the most attention and even money. Um, and with religion, this person might get a higher, higher salary. They may get to speak more. They may get certain, um, accolades that other people don't get. Um, the narcissist finds their goodness in this particular person, which could be a child or a religious leader. So they are singled out as a favorite. The favoritism is usually at the expense of a scapegoated child or a pastor. So it's not like, uh, where the Messiah had the 12 disciples and then there was a smaller unit, um, that he was closer to you're not going to be as close with everybody as you are with certain people. So that's not what I'm talking about. If you're in a group, you may bond with somebody more than you bond with another person. That's not narcissist narcissism. But what narcissism is, is when you pit other people against each other, you make a favorite and then you pit people against each other so that you can maintain chaos in order to feed that narcissistic, feed yourself that, give yourself that supply or like the drug, right? That's the difference, okay? Because some of y'all get all scared. Like, oh my gosh, I made friends with somebody. Am I narcissist? Just slow down, y'all. Let me just get through like, um, let me just get through all of this before you start drawing final conclusions, okay? Um, I'm glad that you, you, you love y'all so much, but listen, let me explain something to you real quick. Let me explain something to you real quick. Um, the, the most high loves a repentant heart. If you are repentant, Truly repentant, meaning you changed from what you were doing. You don't do it no more. You cleansed. You're purified. You don't have to keep beating yourself up over stuff that you may have done in the past. Now, if he brings something up to you that you need to confront or fix, then do that. But the most high don't give you the spirit of fear. He don't condemn you like this unless you're wicked. And you know you ain't wicked if you're repenting. And by repenting, I mean you're changing your behavior. You're not making excuses for your sin. You're not denying it. You're not fighting somebody. Oh, I ain't do that. Yes, I listen. You know what you did. Repent and shut your mouth for a minute. Let that sit. Let it burn. Whew. Singe that sin off your heart. Ooh, I gotta say something. Don't say nothing. Just be quiet. Heal yourself. See, when you always gotta respond fast when somebody's um when it comes to repentance and you have to have an excuse or you have to have a rebuttal, you can't heal that way. 
that that the most high don't like that okay sometimes you just got to be quiet okay especially if you think you struggle with narcissism one of the things i found when i've helped people who have narcissism is we're gonna talk about i ain't gonna but you need to be staying get out of denial that's that's how we heal but we'll explain that and some of the things that you could do if if that's you or somebody that you know um, so again, with the favoritism here with child, I'm not talking about you having a bond with somebody and, um, you know, you just get along with them better than other people. That's okay. It's when you pit, pit people against each other. Like you don't have a, an, a, a bond, a genuine bond. You create a bond so that you can put people against each other. That's, that's that narcissistic system. Um, the golden child often grows up believing they can't do any wrong because they're the chosen one. I can't do nothing wrong because the parent never really holds them accountable. Like if the parent finds out that this child did something, you must've did it. My child ain't do that. They don't even sit and ask the child, what did you do? Or did you do this? Like I'm not playing. They defend the child before they even know if the child did it. You creating a narcissist like that. You need to, you stop defending your child before you know all the details because children lie sometimes. But when the child keeps knowing that they can get away with their lies, they can turn into a narcissist if they're a golden child because they can't ever, they can't do no wrong. They don't usually know right from wrong because they're never held accountable. So they grow up still with this understanding that they're not supposed to be held accountable to their sin. You try to hold them accountable, it's a whole blow up. They don't like being held accountable. That can that can usually signal sometimes they may have been a golden child. Um, this golden child typically represents the family to the public to maintain their public image. The pastor is the same thing in a religious system. The pastor is the face of the, the system. Um, in the family, the golden child is the face of the family. They're usually the one who's making money. They're usually the one who might have some notoriety. You know, they're usually the one... Um, the narcissist is going to pick the person who makes them look the best, the golden child usually. Um, and they pick them, um, because they're, they're doing something with their life and it makes them look good. Even if they ain't never was there, if they ain't even helped them study, if they ain't even helped them, they ain't, uh, show up to none of their events, but they did that though. It's, they're the representative there. It's like, they're the mascot of the family because they make the family look good. Because again, a narcissist doesn't like looking like who they really are. They don't want to just fix their shame. They don't want to just heal. They want to pretend instead of healing. They don't want to do the work. They just rather pretend because they think that that's easier when it's so much more exhausting to pretend. The narcissist projects what they want to believe about themselves onto the child. So oftentimes, sometimes a narcissist uh, parent, a narcissistic parent, they may have wanted to be a singer or they may have wanted to be a model or they may have wanted to be a writer. And then they groom their child to be what they can never be. And then when the child becomes the thing that they thought they were, they live through their child, the life that they wanted. And that's why they think the child owes them their life. The same thing in a religious system, a religious system might bring up a certain pastor or a youth or a teacher. And now you owe this religious leader your life because they showed you how to know y'all. So you owe them now and they live through your ability. They live through your platform. They live through, you know, you and, and everything that someone might invite you to do because they couldn't do it. But they feel like because they raised you up, so to speak, to do that thing, 
you owe it back to them to live the life that they wanted to live when they couldn't do it through you. The parent does that or in a religious system. It's just, it's a system. It's a it's narcissistic system. Um, so again, the child's identity becomes the child or the past or the leader, whoever their identity becomes the narcissist identity. Like I own you basically it's how they're acting. And then you see the enemy has that when people sell their soul. Yes. People sell their soul. He own you now. That's what a narcissistic system is, um, is trying to do is trying to own people. Love don't do that. It don't own nobody and control nobody like that. Narcissistic parents will often reassign the golden child if a fa if the family dynamics change. So say the the um the golden child gets healing, like they separate, they get healing. That's going to piss the narcissist off. Cuz now they exposed because you done healed. So who was once the golden child may be reassigned to another child when that happens. Same thing in a religious system. A person say they get awakened and they leave a certain system um, they'll reassign that they'll bring another leader in and then they'll have a smear campaign about the other one. Kind of like what they did to me and my husband. <laughs> um, you awaken now you become a scapegoat, you know, it's like, they gotta make you look like you crazy. It's the same system funneled through different, uh, uh, techniques like fam, like a uh, family, like religion, like business, the same exact system because it's the same spirit doing it. Okay. So let's look at some of the dangers, um, for the golden child, because this singled out representative is usually dealing with some things called parentification, enmeshment, and emotional incest. And it's very dangerous and it makes it very hard for them to have any other healthy relationships when a parent does this to them. So let's look at parentification first. Um, Parentification is when a parent looks to a child and is usually the oldest child to behave like a parent to meet their emotional, physical, and sometimes even sexual needs. I forget what movie that was. Was it called Precious? That's similar to um, parentification. Um, she was like making her child do sexual things to her, right? Um, to meet her emotional needs. They'll burden them with adult responsibilities often, like they're a child. They shouldn't be doing the things that you had. They're not the man of the house. Stop telling them that. They're not a man, they're a child. No, we don't do that. You don't, a child can't be a man of the house. That's not a responsibility that their mental capacity is equipped to process. You abuse children like that. They're not the man or the woman of the house. No, they're not. You're the parent. That's not your, that's, that's not they job. But they'll burden them with adult responsibilities and expect them to be their confidant, their therapist, or their substitute spouse. There are many times where I work with people and they'll tell me um, they did a certain exercise with their child. I'm like, why would you do that? We're working on, I'm talking about some really inappropriate things that happen to them and they're sharing it with their child. But they're a teenager. No, they're not equipped to process that. So that's what's called intergenerational trauma, not by genetics, by, but orally. You are orally passing trauma down by telling your child something their brain is not equipped to receive. There are things that children don't need to know about your history, your childhood, your current relationships. Your child is not to be your confidant. Your child is not to be your therapist. 
Your child is not to be your substitute spouse. When you do that, you can create a narcissist. Let the child be the child. They're not there to take care of you. You are there to take care of them. A narcissistic system is set up where the children or the congregation or whoever is there to feed the narcissist. When the narcissist is supposed to be helping the serving the people, you flip it. So in a spiritual sense, you pervert the order of the most high. They're calling parentification where the child becomes the parent and the parent becomes the child. But spiritually speaking, you're perverting the order of the most high. Yeah, a child is not to be a man or a head of the household or a female either. No, no, no. Don't do that to, to our children. If you're doing that, stop, repent, Ex go to your child. Hold on, go to your child and repent to them. I can forgive me for telling you, you are the man of this house. You are not forgive me for telling, telling you the woman of this house. Forgive me for, for leaning on you to fulfill my emotional needs. Cause I ain't got no friends and I ain't got no man. That's not your job. How can I help you heal from doing that? What burden has that put on you? How can I take that burden away from you? That is not your child's job. You damage them like that. Okay, so be really, really careful when it comes to that. So that's uh, parentification. Um, the child even has to perform adult duties like caring for younger siblings, cooking, cleaning, managing finances, or even making money for the rest of the family. No, no, no. Healthy parenting does not make a child grow up sooner than they have to. Y'all know it's already hard out here being an adult. That ain't their job. That's your job. Okay. Another thing that happens with the golden child is a term called enmeshment. Like a parasite, the parent feeds off of their own child who is mind controlled into believing that their life's purpose is to exist for the parent. This is so dangerous. This is how religious systems use their staff too. Like a parasite. You are only here for me to exist. I eat off of you so that I can exist. There is very little separateness. They're not even allowed to have any type of individuality apart from them. It is usually taught from birth to serve and even anticipate the needs of a parent. The parent is not concerned with the needs of the child and only keeps the child so they won't look bad, keeps the child well so they won't look bad. They don't even often care about dressing the child the right way or feeding the child. They just do it because they don't want people to talk about them. They don't actually really care about making sure that their child is is well nourished and and um emotionally meeting their emotional needs right so it's a neglect and so what happens is that child grows up with identity issues the child will be confused about who they are apart from the parent because you didn't start a relationship with them that's very inappropriate like like they still on an umbilical cord no, the, the court was cut. That, that's a, that's a, a, a symbolical uh, allegory you need to pay attention to. That court was cut for a reason. They are not, the child is no longer attached to you in that way, right? So um, when this golden child who's, who dealt with enmeshment grows up, they'll often be an adult who feels responsible still for their parents' emotional well-being. They a whole adult, they, they parent a whole adult, adult, the adult still acting like a child and the child still acting thinking they got to take care of them. 
the, the, the parent can work, is, is healthy and able to function, is not handicapped, is not crippled, and yet they still, like a parasite, depend on their child to take care of them. That's why I told you in the last one, when a man who's in sports or something, celebrity, gets some uh, big contract, something like that, and they, what are you going to do with your money from? Buy my mother a house. That's a sign that that parent is a narcissist. Because your first response should not be getting your taking care of your parent. It, it's not. I know we've been, I know us, especially in our community, have been taught that. And yes, parents are important. Healthy parents taking care of healthy parents. You know what I'm saying? That's a blessing. But with this spirit, you got to be careful. You don't want to be tangled up in that kind of a web. But we're so programmed to believe we have to make gods out of our parents that some of us don't even realize we're an adversary of the most high in the way that we're behaving and worshiping this spirit through a parent. You, we need to be conscious and be aware of these, these things. Um, the adult, when it comes from this enmeshment, uh, is trained to be who the parent needs them to be and look for external validation. So they often struggle with having internal validation. They don't, they don't have a sense of worth just within themselves because the parent has trained them to only find your worth and your validation in me. They don't know what it is uh, to get validation uh, from nowhere else but outside of themselves. They can't find it within. They have to always get it from outside. Somebody has to say something, do something. Somebody has to like what they did and then they'll feel like that makes sense because they've been groomed to believe that you can only get it from the outside. Same thing with the congregation. They're trained to uh, look for external validation. So oftentimes spiritually, <laughs> that's why I be telling y'all, stop begging me to be your leader or teacher or whatever. Get your validation from the most high, yeah. That narcissistic spirit trains people to depend on them. Like this is the only place you can get your uh, spiritual uh, wisdom and, and intellect and divine. This is the only place you can't get it from. Ain't nobody else out there got it and you can't get it by yourself, you need me. That's how, that's a narcissistic system. Um, that's how they maintain control. They want to keep people um, so dependent on them that they can't even, they can't even find their own understanding. Like that is like, and they'll make you feel like you being rebellious because you won't, you know, main, let us maintain control over what you understand from the scripture. You can't have your own thoughts. That's a narcissistic um, spirit. That's, that's that system that does that. Um, the child who deals with enmeshment will also grow up feeling responsible, guilty, and even pressured to figure out how to make their parent happy again when they're upset. They parent a whole adult and they don't never want them to be upset. They can't never tell them no. They don't want to disagree with them. They can't confront them because if they do that, they're going to be so upset with them. They feel like they can't take it because they've been trained and groomed to feel responsible for their happiness and their happy responses. But that's not, that's not a child's job to make a parent happy. But that's what, emo uh, that's what enmeshment will do. Another thing that happens with the golden child is emotional incest. While it does not involve sexual abuse, parents treat this child like a romantic partner emotionally. The parent may be single, divorced, or in an unhappy marriage, and then they expect the child to meet the needs that only another adult could. They look to their child for comfort, for advice, for support, and in some cases, even romance. The parent can't provide for the child's need and does not support or nurture them, but they're looking for that from the child. 
That's called emotional incest. When you're in an incestuous relationship with your child emotionally, we as parents should not be asking our children for advice. We are supposed to be growing in divine wisdom to give them advice. That's dangerous. You're, you're harming your child emotionally when you do that. We're not supposed to be looking for support and comfort from our child in the sense of emotional connection romantically. Yeah, you love your child, you want to hug them. They might support you like, good job, mom. But when you're depending on your child to make you feel good emotionally and romantically, that's called emotional incest. It's very unhealthy. It breeds a narcissist because they don't they don't know how to separate reality from inappropriate. Because this is so inappropriate. When they get up, they don't know what inappropriate looks like. And it's, it makes it very hard for them. And it takes years for them to heal from stuff like that. So we need to be really careful and conscious of the type of relationship we're having with our children. Okay? So let's look at the next thing. We talked about the narcissistic system. You see the narcissist is at the top. And then right under that is the golden child. Um, one of the things that the narcissist will do to maintain their control is put the lost child, the scapegoat, and the golden child against each other which is usually um, siblings. In the religious system, they'll do the same thing. They'll have that golden person and they'll put this quote-unquote lost person and scapegoat against all three of them. And they at the top smile and evil, like you see here, while they're strategizing it, like, like puppets with puppet strings. That's pretty much how it goes. So they use what's, one thing they use is what's called triangulation. Uh, real quick, the lost child, we'll talk about the scapegoat um, next week. Uh, not next. I don't know about next week. I'll talk to y'all about that in a minute. The next um, part three, we'll talk about the scapegoat. But the lost child, real quick, they're completely overlooked and ignored because they serve no, serve no purpose to the narcissist. They're invisible or forgotten child, and they don't receive praise or blame. They don't blame them. They don't praise them. They just act like they ain't even never was born. They're treated like they just don't exist. Uh, the scapegoat, we'll talk about. We'll talk about that child. But one of the things they use between those three is the triangulation. So they can get that hit, that fix that they need, like that drug. Sometimes it's called an unconsented psychological threesome, which is perversion. It's a divide and conquer strategy. When the narcissistic parent or religious leader uses the scapegoat as a target to keep their supply going. The goal is usually to cause jealousy or shame. Like such and such does this better than you. Why you didn't do it when such and such was here? They did this. When you did this, well, your brother or your sister, he never does that to me. Your sister never does that. I don't ever have to do that with such and such. You wouldn't even ask. They just, they just, they put, they're planting seeds to put you against each other. Yeah, parent doing this uh, amidst their own children to make you chase them because if they don't get their supply, they can suffer a narcissistic injury. So they have to do things like triangulation and pit people against each other, even their very own children in a religious system, even their very own um, sheep. They do this to, they're supposed to be there to help them heal and lead and guide them and protect them, but they're making them harmful against one another so that they can feel good about themselves. It's very devious. But the narcissistic injury they feel is um, when they're faced with their true self and how they need to be seen. So they do stuff like this because they don't want to be seen. Like, like they got to keep the chaos going just like a demonic spirit would do so that they can, they get a high off of it. It's like, they don't feel like they can get it any other way. And it's grossly upsetting um, when anybody confronts them on it and it will lead to rage. 
So if, for example, usually the scapegoat child starts to heal, they confront the parent about it. It's, it's a rage. All the stuff I did for you, everything I gave up for you, and you gonna come here and try to talk to me about this? Like, it's not about repentance. It's not about healing. It's not about correcting. They don't care about you. It's a rage because now you're about to make it known who I really am and what I'm really into and what I did to this family. Religious system, same thing. You try to confront a leader on something that's abuse that's going on and you become the problem because you're confronting them with the truth. Why? We talked about in part one, enemy hates the truth. It's like a kryptonite to him. He can't deal with that. Like, you got the truth. You got to get that out of here. No, we live on lies up in here is how they function. That's That kind of a system functions. So... Um, with the religious leaders, they'll create competition and comparison to pit, pit, pit people against each other. And then in the family system, there might be a romantic relationship that is used, uh, when it comes to ex partners. So, um, a narcissistic parent might bring up exes of their child to create triangulation between them, their child and this, this ex person. She liked me. She was better. She didn't do all of that. Me and her really got along. Or me and him was was good. We never see. I didn't have to go through that with him. It's it's called triangulation. They're using it to divide and conquer. It ain't. They don't even necessarily always feel like that's true, but it's a way for them to get some control again. Another thing that happens um, in the narcissistic system is codependent behavior, or what's called enabling. So narcissists are dependent by nature. So they're going to often create relationships that are codependent. The child is going to grow up and be a codependent person. If you haven't seen a little quick short video I did on codependency, let's watch it. A codependent person is someone who assumes responsibility for meeting another person's needs, but not just meeting their because, needs. Because, you know, often if we love someone and they have a need and we can meet it, we want to try and meet that. A codependent person does not do that. A codependent person doesn't just want to meet the healthy needs of someone. They assume responsibility for meeting another person's needs by prohibiting themselves from acknowledging their own needs and feelings. And even often feeling worthless unless needed by the very person abusing their care and love. Additionally, codependent people might refer to themselves as a victim of an abuser or toxic person, yet at the very same time have an exaggerated need to defend that abuser or toxic person. That is codependency. Okay, y'all. I have a little bit of emergency. I might have to come back. Check the Telegram group to get information about um, the next part. I'm sorry about that. I have an emergency. I'll be back. Thank y'all.